Welcome to the City of Refuge Church Podcast. We are so excited that you have joined us. We are a church that is called, connected, and commissioned. We want to call all people to repent and believe in our Savior's loving grace. We want to connect our neighborhood to the unity found in the greater family of Christ. We want to commission others to live as kingdom citizens before the world and heaven. And we hope that this podcast gives you a glimpse of what God is doing in us and in the Eau Claire community. Thank you so much for tuning in. Hey, what's going on, guys? This is Pastor Jay Will of City of Refuge. Uh, we're sitting, I'm sitting here with a friend of mine, uh, Cassie Alley Ray. I think I said it right you this got time. It. You did yes! awesome. uh, We're sitting here, we're having a conversation about things that's going on in North Columbia as a church. We really want to talk about uh, issues in our community and how the gospel speaks to these issues. And we want to talk to community leaders and community partners and just people in the community that's doing the work. So, uh, Cassie, please tell the people about yourself. Well, what do you want to start off by knowing? I don't know. Uh, okay. We know your name now. So, how are you, what are you doing in the North Columbia area right now? So, I am um, a proud member of the North Columbia Youth Empowerment Initiative. Mm-hmm. And the North Columbia Youth Empowerment Initiative is a movement that is uh, really community driven, focused on how we can create uh, a community or cultivate a community where youth can thrive in the 29203 zip code. And the driving force behind that being partnerships, partnerships between law enforcement, community organizations, social services, but very critically of the people who have that lived experience in the North Columbia community um, and the youth who live there. So I started getting uh, to be a part of this work. I am the CEO and founder of a nonprofit organization called Serve and Connect. I was just about to bring that up. I might actually have an interview with Rob. Uh, and I was like, Serving Connect is another big part, but I'll please explain Serving yeah. Connect also. So, Serving Connect um, is a nonprofit, and we our mission is to ignite positive change through police and community partnerships. And um, I founded the organization. My husband, Greg, was a police officer who was killed in the line of duty. It'll be five years ago this fall. Um, and when he died, I felt really deeply called to find a way to bring people together. I believe that there was a different way out there, one where we could work together to yeah. make our communities better. Um, yeah. And really at the core of it was this belief that at the end of the day, when you look at it, what police are seeking to achieve and what communities are wanting is more the same than it is different. That we want our communities to be safe, our families to be protected, and our children to thrive. And in order to achieve those goals, it requires us working together because a lot of what contributes to communities being safe and thriving are non-criminal actions. It's things that are in the broader environment like poverty, trauma, hunger, and these are things that police can't nor should they address alone, yeah. that you need those partnerships. Yeah, when me and Rob was talking, he said, you know, there's some certain things that police aren't trained to deal with. And, you know, uh, they get a call at 2 o'clock in the morning because there's a homeless guy outside. Well, they're not really homeless control, but... You know, they got to deal with it. They got to, when they show up, they're trained to do certain jobs and that's what they got to deal with. Well, and then the more you can build partnerships where you have their people that you can lean on or ideally if you have their relationship 
with those people who are experiencing homelessness in the first place or the people who are experiencing a mental health crisis yeah. or like it's, it's very much a prevention orientation and the stems you know the initial urge to do something came within hours of my husband dying but it wasn't until like this real process of peace that I was on and finding peace with the man who killed my husband that really came to and it's kind of a longer story but just this um, recognition of I'm struggling so much to understand like what justice means and like what kind of the context of like how to respond in the wake of this trauma and loss and tragedy and just really realized what a loss it was for not only our family but his as well you know he had a son too just like we did and he had a family and as a family and that's um so at the sentencing actually I shared you know what if we had found him before that tragic day would we have found a man in need and what if we could have helped him and I think that's what it's all about if we can work together then we can have those relationships and really be able to help one another and build a better tomorrow that's a big question what is justice for um it looks like most of the crime that's, that comes from our community a lot of times is based on trauma. And trauma can either make you be the part of the change or it can make you even more of the problem. And it sounds like that trauma that happened to you and your family is one of the things that was like, yeah, we need to be a part of this change. Yeah, you know, um, I, if you were to have asked me how I would have responded to losing my husband, there's no way I would have imagined it would be this. Um, I think we're all a lot stronger than we give ourselves credit for. I don't think we have a lot of models in our society of how to respond to pain in yeah. a um, productive way. You know, I know I'm not the only one who's experienced loss, and I know that I'm very privileged in my experience of loss. You know, I. You know, I lost my husband, he was my best friend, he was my partner. I also had a lot of support following that. Um, it it sounds like you had the space to lament. The Bible talks a lot about lamenting, um, seeing injustices going on, and deeply crying from that, not just the injustice you experience, but the injustice you see all around. Um, but that lament leading to something, like a, a, a more impactful change on the other side. It's not just a staying in this deep despair, but seeing some form of hope at the end of it. I think that's a part of it. And I certainly did a lot of reflecting. Lament, you know, this, this deep uh, process of peace, as I referred to it as. I think when talking about you know, the work of serving Connect and our long-term goal of really building these um, safer, thriving communities. Um, I also recognize, again, the privilege that I had in that space for reflection. I mean, I have my PhD in community psychology, so I'm educated on, like, I've been trained on given the tools to be able to respond in a different way. Um, I also had just this overwhelming support that helped me have space to grieve and to be able to reflect. I'm not living in an area where I'm constantly confronted by trauma every day. And I think that's a big difference when you look at, um, you know, I've had, I was 20, 
eight years old when my husband was killed. And that was, you know, my grandmother had passed away, which I loved her very much. Um, but she was older, you know, so it was the first real tragic thing I'd ever experienced. And I was 28, you know, and that's a, a privilege in that. Um, and so I think when we think about how to support other people and finding that voice, it's also in being able to create that supportive environment and that space where we can uh, reduce that those additional traumas and provide spaces where their healing can be amplified too. Yeah, I, one, of, one of the neighborhoods, matter of fact, the neighborhood I kind of joined in when we started serving was North, um, North Point Estates. And um, that's an area where we see a lot of trauma that's been internalized, but it's also just start, it's like a lot of acted out trauma at this point. Not at this point there, a lot of people are learning to survive versus processing uh, what they've dealt with. What are some examples you've seen um, just in the areas we serve? You know, Jayla, I appreciate the question and I also appreciate, like, I feel that in terms of some of the stories of trauma, those aren't my stories to tell. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I really respect that and that we have some amazing people that I really think would be great for people to hear from. Um, what I can comment on, I think, is just the incredible resilience that yeah. I've seen. Yeah. Um, that even in the face of extreme trauma, um, both you know, whether it be these like everyday stressors that people experience mixed in with like really acute instances of shootings or violence that occurs. The friends that I've, and I call them friends, they're my friends and really have become family. And I yeah, you know that you're yeah, part of this family. Once you get to know them, it's like we spend time together. We're we friends. Eat together. Yeah, we're yeah. family. And um, I really believe that in my heart. Um, feel that. And some of the most beautiful souls that I've met in my whole life um, and it just gives you so much hope for I think the human spirit and like yeah. our resilience and also just a deep desire that no one should have to like be confronted with having to be that resilient in face of so much pain like how do we make it so like what how, how much more could we thrive if we took away some of those challenges that we too hey, you said that, I love the phrase you said these are becoming friends as a matter of fact they become family. Um, and I think a major undercurrent of the gospel is this idea of adoption, bringing people together to be family, uh, this new ideal of family. Um, what would you say North Columbia's ideal of the gospel is, or how the gospel, how they see the gospel? And I, like, how would you even phrase the gospel for yourself and for people in North Columbia? Uh, I mean, I'm not a resident in North Columbia. Like that. Yeah. I've been very privileged to make such wonderful friends. Um, but, and I, there is, well, there are many people who are part of our initiative, which you know, like there's this, uh, a strong sense of spirituality mm -hmm. I think, in many of our um, partners. But I don't know if I can speak for how they would define it. Um, for myself, it's definitely been a learning process. Um, I think. Before Greg died, I had this desire to relearn my relationship with the gospel, with mm -hmm. Jesus, with religion, and I hadn't really found or understood what that looked like when he died. And so actually, was, I felt like more disconnected than ever following the loss of Greg, but in some way, though, felt more connected to 
like the broader being of our world, you know, like um, there were times where I just really learned to let go and trust that I didn't have control of what would happen next, but that I had faith that it would be what I needed. Yeah. Um, and there would be times where, and I don't, I would have, like, at times I would say, like, there's some, um, one of my dear friends who worked with Greg says, like, whenever it rains, like, there's something major with Greg, it rains, and so there's this thing with rain with him. I mean, the day of his funeral was the first day of the flood in 2015, and so there's this thing with rain. Um, and there have been times that have been, like, pretty significant moments over the last few years for me or Sal or in our lives, and it rains, and it's like, I just can't help but wonder if that's him being there or saying that he's there or he's here. Um, and it's interesting, like, I think even though I felt like I had been more disconnected from faith, I didn't see that I was becoming so much more deeply connected to what I understand of it now, that it is it's this message of love, it's this message of um, faith in our fellow man and yeah. seeing each other you know, as family and seeing like, I have a different story than you, Jay Will. I have a different, you know, we have different lives and different experiences, but you know, I love when we have coffee and I get to better understand your story and we can walk in each other's shoes a little bit differently. And it's like, when you do that, it's your family to yeah, me, yeah. you know, and like what your pain and your joys are connected with mine. And I think that's what the message is all about, right? At the end of it is to love your neighbor and to treat others with kindness and to do all that we can to make it better for our world family. Absolutely. Well, yeah, no, I would definitely say that is, a large part of the message. Um, I'm sorry if that was a much longer response oh no, than you no, wanted no, to. Because, but... because a lot of people, when they hear what's the gospel, it's, it can be a clam, a question to make people clam up um, because there's there's the gospel applied, but then there's gospel implications. You know, uh, because I am loved by someone who is willing to suffer on my behalf, I can now love others to the point of it hurts at times. Um, because uh, I am so... I. I don't have to be in control because somebody else was in control. Uh, we were preaching, going through the book of Mark this past uh, oh, six months. And there's this theme from like Mark 8 to almost the end of the gospel of Mark. Uh, Jesus was completely in control when the disciples were all over the place. It was, it was a crazy thing. It was uh, in Mark chapter 13. No, Mark chapter, well, 13, yeah, but... Mark chapter 14, uh, when Jesus was on his way to the cross, he literally looked at his disciples and said, all of y'all are going to fall away. You know, situations are going to happen. It's going to make you afraid. It's going to shake you. All of y'all are going to fall away. But don't worry, I'll see you later. And it, it was the craziest thing. Like, wait, you're telling me you're about to die, but you're also telling me you're going to see me later, which means he already understood he will overcome it. Um, and then he, he tells them in... Uh, the gospel of Matthew and Matthew he tells them um, obstacles will come troubles are going to come but be, oh, be of good cheer I've overcome the world I've already taken it fully on myself and died so the gospel that implication of loving each other as family and neighbor yes that is absolutely there uh, but we can't it, but you've obviously seen it and it's hard to do it in our own strength because people sometimes suck. <laughs> but because it's been done for us, 
we've seen the better example of love. We've seen the better example of someone who was willing to take it all on himself. Now it's like, I don't have to do it because it's been done for me. And now that it's been done for me, I can do it. It's, it's, it goes from, I don't have to, but now I can. Well, I think that, you know, it's such an example of the greater picture, too. I think often we can get wrapped up in, like, what a relationship means to just us personally. But mm-hmm. when you separate it out from what does building this relationship or connecting with someone, being able to understand and hear their story, to lean into their experience, even if it may be really difficult mm-hmm. to lean into... It's like, why am I doing that? Well, I'm doing it because I believe in something better for our community. I believe in something better for our world. And I believe, like, standing in this gap right now will get us there. And I think that's what Jesus said, too. Yeah, yeah. And and um, I was at a retreat this week, and I was talking about this whole idea of serving people means we also have to take the pain that those people give to us. Um, and... The problem is a lot of times we take that pain but then we continue to serve but we don't do nothing with that pain. Um, but the better example is serving people and as we take that pain, pass that pain to Jesus so we can serve us and we can serve them. It's this continuous flow of he is stronger and he is big enough to take this pain so I don't have to take, internalize the pain. Like when I talk to people in North Carolina States or people in North Columbia, um, there's some painful stories. A lot of painful stories, and I could walk walk away saying, "Man, all of this is really bad." And you know, over time, um, you can become simple because of all the stuff you get. But when you find out there's a lot of pain out there, there's someone, something greater, someone greater I can give this pain to, and he's greater than their pain. And now I can continue to serve them. Uh, it releases this. It, it it relieves you of the stress of I have to carry. That's beautiful. I think it makes me think of as well is the process of learning that I've had, and I'm not always learning. So I imagine what I say today, we listen to it mm-hmm. six months from now, maybe a week from now, I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm a different person. But I think something I had to learn too is when you hear that pain, there's for me, it had always been this desire to be like, okay, well, how can I make it better? Yeah. How can I fix this? And I think what I've recognized is that it's not always my role to fix it, but it can be my learn to show up for others, mm-hmm. to listen deeply, and to find ways that I can support them. Because, like, other people also, like, how to amplify that voice in yeah. making yeah. a difference in creating spaces or providing, you know, just even if it's just a listening ear to be there for, but even more than that, I think it kind of helps shift your view on how can I interact with this pain right now that I'm hearing. Yeah, if it was our job to fix people, everybody would be messed up. Fix people or fix situations. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The ball would be dropped all over the place. Uh, Well, we've been talking about just ways we've been serving and kind of seeing the trauma in our city. Uh, how do you think the church should be involved or could be better involved with stuff like Serve and Connect or youth of North Columbia Youth Empowerment? I think, Jay, well, you're doing it. I mean, to me, so often we want, I think part of this notion of fixing is we want to create the solution. Mm. So we come up with our own idea of what the solution should be and create this whole different infrastructure 
maybe part of it is showing up in the ways that people already want you to show up. And that's what you do, what I've observed you doing every day is you show up for those hard conversations with people. You show up to when someone's doing a food drive or you show up when someone needs help with mattresses or it's like, how can I show up and be present? And I think churches have such a beautiful space, not only for that emotional connection that I think we're all craving so much. I mean, there's some, like a, a loneliness epidemic that yeah. we're experiencing where we are more technologically connected than ever, but more emotionally disconnected than ever. So having just a space, like we can't discount the power of just connection and yeah. like relationship, which is one huge way you show up in that way. Every moment I've seen you, Jay will. And then it's also like how churches are also a space of social networks and being able to rally those resources and deep when you deeply listen and hear what people need, how can we create the info? Maybe we can't solve everything, but maybe I can make sure this person has food, yeah. you know, or make sure that they have access to the people who can get it for them. Well, see, that's I get that from X chapter two. I try to model it after the early church. The idea of the early church was. Um, you see these people who were overwhelmed by the love they experienced from God. Like, the message has just shifted everything about them. Um, they're eating together. They're having a conversation together. They're communing together. They're praying together. They're just always together as a big, happy family. And they're also, uh, through their the, the outflowing of the love that they're feeling and experiencing together, they're, they're loving other people that's different from them. No, the people that's oppressed, the people who may be less than the people who come from completely different backgrounds. Uh, the, the church was the first social network where it was like, wait, those guys are weird. Why are rich people and poor people best friends? Why, why uh, in the Bible were slaves or bond servants and their master friends? Not American slavery. American slavery and Bible slavery are different. But how are they now consider each other family? Um, so I try to model that, and it's like I tell people, as we learn more about the God we say we serve and we love and the, the one who loved us first, it should reflect in how we show up for other people. And even if they don't uh, see, even if they themselves don't believe, doesn't mean we love them any less. I think that was beautiful. And it also makes me think in community psychology, there's, uh, which is what I have my doctorate in, and there's mm-hmm. a... Um, concept of creation of settings you know how we can create sometimes we like just create spaces just for the sake of creating that there's more of the same but when we think about how to transform relationships or transform opportunities transform systems it's in creating settings that enable people to connect in a different way and allow resources to be distributed in a different way and I think that churches can offer that too and especially as you know, churches, the church is transforming. I think that allows for more of that innovativeness to occur. Yeah. Well, I can already tell you, City of Refuge, I'm always bragging about uh, Serve and Connect and mm-hmm. always bragging about what's going on. Even times I'm like, I honestly don't know what we're doing, but I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> we're here. We're trying to figure it out. I don't know. I don't know. I have it's no so idea. So, what all is going on? We show up and then we find out. That's... But look, oh, but see the meeting today, I mean, just the structure that's coming into place, yeah. the subcommittees that are unfolding, and I had someone ask me, actually a few people, but one conversation in particular that I remember, um, a person asked me about our work, 
is it like is it actually bad to try to improve relationships between police and community? Like, is that detrimental, mm-hmm. especially communities of color, communities that have been, you know, victimized or vulnerable? Yeah. But, um, what I reflected on is that, you know, the crime, the challenges that we see, they didn't come up overnight. They've been around often for generations. To address them is it going to take a simple fix that can mm-hmm. be switched overnight it takes deep authentic relationships that can sustain change you know and it takes these different people with different gifts or different access different resources perspectives all like pieces of a puzzle to come together and it's like i think with the north columbia initiative we've spent significant time sometimes to the point of like what is going on <laughs> so oh, much- the first few means was all right, I have no idea what we're doing, but all right, I'll, I'll be here next Friday. <laughs> but it's like, think about the relationships, like the family that's been built, and yeah. now how that's launching into real initiative for change. And like, we could have tried to start the other way around, but I think we're going to be a whole lot more effective because there's this shared leadership and shared trust that exists. I got you. I got you. I know you have to head out in a minute, but... uh. If people were trying to get in touch with Serve and Connect or get in touch with you, or anything you're attached to and they're trying to figure out how to send resources, money, even people, how can they get in touch with you? Um, so you can go to our website, serveandconnect.net, and there's a contact us. We're on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Or you can email us. Um, email me personally. It's K-A-S-S-Y at serveandconnect.net. All right. Guys, you're here. Please get in touch with Serve Connect. Trust me, they're doing a, not just great things in North Columbia, but they're popping up in uh, Orangeburg. Uh, they're in Newberry? Or Camden. Camden, okay. Fairfield. And- yeah, so please get in touch with her. Um, this is Pastor J. Will. Uh, this has been another episode of City of Refuge Church Podcast. Um, and Cassie, thank you. Thank you so great- much for being you, J. Will. Hey, I'm trying. I'm trying. We'll see if it works or does anything like that. It's already making a huge impact. I'm so proud to know you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, guys, we're out. Mm